Golden Godcast. I am very excited about today's guest. He is a seven-time winner of the Uncle Toby's Ironman series, world Ironman champion, marathon swimming champion, three-time Coolangatta gold champion, world ocean surf ski champion, avid descent paddling champion, Guinness World Record holder, philanthropist, entrepreneur, father of two, Australia's number one fitness guy, winner of Australian Celebrity Survivor, and the man single-handedly responsible for me smashing thousands of boxes of Nutri-Grain as a young fella. Galich. <laughs> good intro. How are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Did I miss anything on that one? Oh, look, I could brag and say there's a few other things, but we're, mate, we're, we're talking for a while, so maybe they'll come up. Well, feel free to <laughs> drop them in there, Guy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, Guy, a lot of people... Uh, might not realize this, but we have a couple of things in common. Mm-hmm. The number one thing, which I'm very interested in talking to you about, is we are both winners of Australian Survivor. Correct. And uh, and funnily enough, like there's been a couple of seasons in the last, you know, sort of five or six years that for some reason I haven't watched. And I jumped in on the All-Star series this year and, and was just embedded in the whole the whole drama and the excitement of it all. And um so, mate, it was a good one. And, uh, yeah, so you and I have both got uh, something very, very similar in common, that we've both won Survivor, which is unreal. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Now, your game was 100%. slightly different to the one uh, I played. Uh, you guys went in with 12 people, if if, uh, if I'm correct. I think it was a 12. Yeah, look, it, it was a shorter version. So, I think uh, – so, just if we go back a step, I actually mm. got rung up by the uh, – the casting agency to do your season of Survivor, believe it or not, the All Stars. Really? So, so I could have been out there, um, out there on the beach in the jungles, competing against you. Oh wow! Yeah, I wonder so how that would have gone. And, <laughs> I don't know. Well, who knows? Man, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you did you did a good job. Were you tempted? Was there? Were you tempted to jump in? Yeah, I was. I was, and. Um, so just a bit of background, so for everyone listening. So I won Celebrity Survivor, and I know how long ago it was because my, my, my daughter, my youngest daughter, was born that year. So that was 13 years ago. Oh, wow. So it's a while ago now. And, um, well, and, it's two, and you know, It was like, 2006, correct? They, they ran that yeah, season. Did they film yeah. that in 2006 or it went to air in 2006? No, they filmed it. Same year, yeah. Same There's something time. about so, people having kids and then jumping into uh, Survivor seasons. I'm not sure what that is. If it's a form of escapism, uh, what do you think's behind that, guy? <laughs> I was the, I was the opposite. So my wife was pregnant yeah. with Phoenix, my youngest, and uh, we knew that she was going to be born around September, and we were filming Survivor in June. Oh wow! So, so I had that sort of window there, but um. So I, yeah, so I, I sort of, I got rung up for the start of this year about about the All-Stars mm. and they they just started hitting me with the questions on would I be interested, um, would I come back and have another crack at it, uh, what did I think uh, and those sort of things. And I sort of, I had three conversations on the phone with the lady uh, doing the castings and look, it came down to, and, and you'll get this, it came down to, mate, back 13 years ago when I got rung up six months before I, I did Survivor, mate, I was hungry hmm. to do it, massive fan, watched the series. You'd be watching the US for, uh, version, right, because there wasn't too many yeah. Australian versions at this point. Uh, like only only um, the US version. Yeah. So I was very aware of Survivor. And, and for me as an Ironman, it appealed to a lot of the um, – 
the, the attributes of the struggle of an Ironman race in yeah, that totally. survival and a big fan, right? So so when I got run up, I was like, I'm all in. And I had I basically had four or five months to prepare and I went about the same process as I did um, leading into a, a sporting event with the preparation into that one. This one though, when they rang me up, mate, I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent committed. Yeah. And it was funny, I, off the back of the first phone call, I, I said, look, give me a chance to have a think about it. Um, I said, I'll have some questions. I came back a week later and spoke to the girl again, and I sort of said, look, um, you know, like how long are we looking at, where are you looking at going, give me the concept of the show, like who's going on it. And I, I just wasn't hungry enough to commit to what you go through and, and you know exactly what you go mm. through. You've done it a couple of times and, mate, if you're not all in and you're not willing to go through what you go through on it, you, you, you're better off not not starting. You're really not. And um, when I did it back 13 years ago in 2006, it, it, was, it was an easier journey for me than what you had gone through. And I say that because, mate, celebrities, some of the celebrities turned up um, to do Survivor back then they weren't massive fans of the show. They hadn't done their research about it. Mm. They hadn't got themselves prepared for, for what you were in for. And because of it, there were a lot of easy uh, people to get rid of in that first week to two weeks um, because of it. So, and, and when you did it, and as I knew uh, making that decision in the end to not go on, um, I knew that everyone was there to play and everyone had a, had an understanding of it and all the people that were doing it were, were decent at Survivor and there would have been some in there that were really, really good at it. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, and there's a bit of a – I'm really interested to hear. I didn't know you'd gotten the call-up for All-Stars. That's amazing because there's a bit of a divide in a way between the way the seasons have been um, released. So now that it's with the 10 Network and, and the Mall has taken over production, it's almost like those other seasons haven't really been acknowledged. Yeah. Like they're saying, oh, we're at season five. They don't really talk about the celebrity season or there was – I think there maybe was uh, three other seasons of Australian Survivor that went across different networks. Yeah. Um, so that's actually really cool that they reached out to you to do that mm -hmm. is it something you would consider doing like later on down the track would you maybe think you know if the opportunity arose you're in a better space like yeah to to, to accept that offer would you go for it mate i'd knock back every celebrity type television show that you could think of so i knock back <laughs> and they were coming thick and fast back then they were really mate, hungry those celebrity tv shows mate, weren't they? i knock back I'm the singing show i knock back the dancing show i knock back <laughs> the ice skating show i knock back Celebrity Big Brother, but oh. I knocked back the cookie show. I knocked back the whole lot. And I knocked them back for two reasons. First reason being, mate, I wasn't into them that much. Hmm. Um, and the second reason was I wasn't in it enough to think that I could win. And I say that because if I love something yeah, a lot, like I did with Iron Man and other things I've done in life, I just make sure I prepare that well for something that I give myself a really, really good chance of winning. It's almost like an all or nothing mindset you wanted to go in with? Yeah. And, and I, I, like if I don't think I can win, and I'm not suggesting that I'm going to win, but if I don't feel like um, I can win based on what I do preparing for something, then I, I don't have an interest in it because I'm not going in it just to make the numbers up. Um, and, and I did think that with the All-Stars, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that because – I thought anyone was particularly better than me, but I mm. felt that um, I, I wasn't 100% committed to just going through the whole thing at that stage of my life. Now, like you said, in two, three years' time, 
if they got rung up and, and they, they said, listen, Dave's on it and this person's on it and this person's on it, you know, yada, yada, and you've got six months to repair, do you want to have a crack? Could be a different story. Yeah. Well, in a way, too, that phone call is what's reconnected you with Survivor because it wasn't like you'd watched the Channel 10 seasons one through four, right? You were like, you just kind of got back into it with All Stars. Correct. So you just you're not really in that mindset of like where the strategies are sitting now. The game's like probably evolved a long way as it has done with American Survivor. Correct. It's changed. Look, when I did it in um, 2006, it was really weird because I, I actually I, I sat back on the on the lounge watching you guys. Um, and, and look for the people at home um, listening. Um, you, you, one one hour of television of Survivor with TV commercials is two days of being out there in the jungle yeah. on the yep. beach, and people don't realise just what that means. It, it means so much in the point of view of being hungry is much more hungry, being isolated is much more isolated. Um, when you're panicking, thinking that the numbers are against you or someone's going to flip on you, mate, it gets magnified because time goes slow when you when you you're going through that situation yeah they package two days worth into um that one hour with ads and a lot of the time if you're not figuring and you're just cruising through and you're doing quite well in certain episodes you don't get seen a lot because you're not you're not much entertainment now when i did it in 2006 the felt like i said the first week or 10 days mate i knew who was going home um oh yeah i don't We'd we'd already planned it, mate. Like I, uh, you know, know, there was no real big sort of talk on blind sides and those things because the game hadn't evolved to a point where when you got up in front of tribal council, um, you needed to have that up your sleeve to get the vote. So it was more about sort of just keeping your head down, getting through, not pissing people off. Um, it, It was a different style. Relying on kind of those Aussie mateship type things, right? Which is a big strategy in uh, season one of Australian Survivor when they did the reboot. Yeah, and you and you, you sort of you know, but I knew that as far as going into it, like things like when I when I prepared for the first um, the the two thousand six Celebrity Survivor, um, like I I found a guy in Queensland that had been in the the Vanuatu jungle living with the natives for two years. Yeah, but I found this guy flew him to Sydney and paid him to hang out with me for two weeks to learn about the jungle. Oh, yeah, so you were all in. I was all in, mate. Like, I, I, I have heard that Vanuatu can be brutal, by the way. it was There were some nasty things there. Yeah. Yeah. Like the coral was a real problem. Um, there were things that, you know, there were a lot of wasps around. I got bitten by wasps on the second the second day. Oh. Um, you know, the, the weather would change a lot. Were you guys catching a lot of rain? Yeah, we got the second day. It was it was interesting because um, it started raining at about five thirty. We hadn't worked out how to to make fire. Mm-hmm. Um, we built the shelter. The shelter wasn't built well. It didn't have the layers in it. Um, <laughs> it hadn't rained up until then, so and no one knew it was going to leak. Um, and there was there was yeah you know, six or seven of us um, in that shelter on the second night. It started raining at five thirty. Was you know winter time Vanuatu. It was probably you know, 18, 20 degrees at night, but mm. rain coming in. We built the shelter in the wrong spot. The onshore wind blew straight into the thing. Just oh. just dumb. <laughs> and so, like, this stupid stuff that, you know. Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. I, look, but, but you know what? The thing was, there was things that we did back then that I sort of knew was wrong. Yeah. But I did the same thing because I wanted people to hurt. And oh, yeah. Was, oh, I love it. I Savage. wanted people to hurt. So, you know, it started <laughs> raining at... 
at night. It was still raining at 10 when people were trying to sleep. Now, it was it was coming in in buckets in oh. certain places in the shelter. And because of that, you'd, and it was potluck, so you didn't know whether the, the, the bucket was going to hit you yeah, yeah. in the next 15 minutes or <laughs> it, it, you're a fine for an hour. But, mate, people started crying in the shelter. Oh, those nights are just hell, aren't they? Whimpering going on. People were shaking cold. But I kept saying to myself, this is good. Yeah. You want people to hurt that bad so they put their hand up and go, I want to go home. And no joke, two people put their hand up by about one or two in the morning and said, if we go to tribal council, get me out of here. I want out. So, so I was fine <laughs> for a week just based on two people in our um, in our tribe were literally like just happy to go. I want to go home. Oh, man. Home Look, up. so I tried desperately to find some kind of videos or YouTube, but it's it's scarce. Have you got a DVD copy or, or I just couldn't figure out how I could actually watch yeah, it? Yeah, I have. Oh. You might have to send me a copy of that guy because I'm desperate to check it out. But uh, I did read the synopsis for the season and one of the first things I read that I thought was hilarious is that somebody actually voted for themselves on one of those early votes. Could you imagine like, celebrities turning up? They're getting paid to go there. Um, you know, and so, so their manager says, this would be good for your profile. They've never watched Survivor. Yeah. And they turn up. Yeah. Like, there was a Brutal. couple like that. And, and I, I, I found them early. I played yeah. down what I knew, yeah. just played the nice guy and was just the uplifting sort of Anthony Robbins, pick people up when they were down type like just to, Good lad, just to yeah. try to Great hang in there to the merge. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know, it worked. And, the, and these people were literally like, you're telling me this is what survivors are about? And I'm like, well, didn't you watch any episodes? No, I haven't seen anything. And, oh, jeez. Uh, so you would have loved it. You I mean, you still it. you still get a bit of that in the modern game too. They definitely cast a few people that don't have that much awareness of the show just because I think it, it creates a more interesting dynamic to see how mm. they fare. And it's a pretty steep learning curve. I mean, even for you as someone who's watched the show, knowing what you want to do going in there, having some idea of strategy, until you actually hit that beach, you, you, know, you don't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what it's about. And there's so many elements yeah. to like bring together and your strategy and how you're working with people and the social game and like the devious nature of it, you know. It's very hard to, to, to have be, that stuff. I loved, I loved your game because, um, you know, and, and you could let me know whether if it was slightly different how they, how they edited it up. But you, 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 played, the, you played the nice guy, but on, on camera when they were, were doing the interviews, you, you, you played it up and, and had some fun and, you know, and sort of, talked it up you did it in a way where you got away with it and yeah and and, I, and for me watching it from the an audience point of view i actually gravitated to you because i thought this guy's a bit of a smart ass and, and a bit funny <laughs> but he's not taking himself seriously it's just it's all in nature well i i got pretty fortunate that people before me had kind of there, there were people that paved the way for that style of character you know that lovable kind of villainy type character where you've got like uh you know luke toki in a way is that kind of lovable villain you've got nick who was like the original snake and nick in the public caught a lot of flack for being this dishonest guy who was like lying and doing this kind of stuff so i can't imagine in 2006 with the way the tv audience is not really being educated about survivor would gravitate to someone that is talking smack and <laughs> stuff on you, camera. You know what it is? The, yeah. the biggest problem, right, back then was, mate, if you're a celebrity going on that show and everyone knows who you are already, it changes the whole dynamic of Survivor for a start. It, it means that you can't bullshit another competitor mm. because you can't be who, you, who you're not because everyone knows you're everyone famous. Everyone knows who you are. Like yeah. they know who Wayne Gardner is, the you know, the 500cc motor 
cycle champion. They, they knew Elton Flatley was the vice captain of the, the Wallabies. They knew I was the Ironman. So, like, you, you couldn't hide from who you were. And the other issue was this. If you make a living off your name, and your name, which mine was, was Squeaky Clean. He's the fit guy. Yeah, he's, you can't be going the on there, I can't go on and put yeah. you down the tallest straight away and just lie. and Because I come off the show and I still go back to who I am and I make my living off, yeah. off doing that. So for me, it was really hard because I wanted to win really bad. Um, and as you know, there's luck that comes into it and, and sure, your yeah. path goes certain ways and you need the roll of the dice and all those things. Um, and notwithstanding the fact that the first time you went on the show – all the things you learn, like there's a camera in your face all the time. Mm. They're pointing it in on your shoulder. It's there. There's someone in a little one-man tent that's literally filming stuff going on there. So it's 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 unnatural. And even though you try to get yourself ready for this, the show, that sort of stuff you don't see. And so it, it freaks some people out. Oh, really for sure. Does. And these are also things that people take into account when they're cast on a champion's tribe. So I would I would draw parallels to, to what you guys are doing as like Australian celebrity survivor is very close to what they've done on seasons three and four, having champions. And I, being on a champion tribe, I saw those pressures that were put on, especially our sports stars. Like you've got Simon Black on Champions mm-hmm. Contenders and he's a very interesting, very affable, funny, nice guy, but he's not catching as much edit because I'm protected. I'm like model actor. I can just be as big a douchebag as I want. Yeah. Whereas poor Simon's got this public persona where if he goes on the camera and is now like, I'm going to kill Dave, I hate him, I vote him out, what an idiot, all this stuff, you know, it doesn't reflect that well on him. And you see that struggle yeah. where people are kind of like forced not to, they can't have a persona. Whereas I got protected because I could have that persona because, you know, I'm into t- entertainment anyway. I'm able to make this big character, try to play the villain. Um, whereas like a lot of people with that public profile, it's a very like fine line that you're walking on. Yeah. And look, the thing is, it's a disadvantage, I think, for a, for a sportsman going on that, um, that you know, that, that makes a living off their name and those sort of things. It was even playing field when we did Celebrity Survivor to yeah. a degree because uh, everyone went on having, having to protect something. You would have still been feeling the heat though in terms of – uh, being a challenge threat. I'm assuming that's the way that the strategy started to work, right? The people that were more visible challenge threats were being targeted? Yeah, you were, like I was fine to the merge. Um, I, I was protected. I knew I was fine. I, I was winning challenges for the team. Um, there, there were water events that were just unfair. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, I got this in the bag. They've got us, they've got us with a rock underwater, and I, yeah. you know, and I'm holding my breath for over a minute. Yeah, and people coming up every ten seconds. You know, yeah. it's like I single-handedly <laughs> dragged the, the side through a number of challenges by myself. Um, so you know, I had that was an advantage I had, um, but I always knew on the merge, and, and I'm, you know, I'd be the only person in the history of Survivor that actually got voted out, got the opportunity to come back, won my way back into it, then was down on a, a 3-2 um, uh, on a three-two alliance mm. number. And and the only blindside I did in the whole game was the one that won me the won me Survivor, which was um, putting the politician David Oldfield down the gurgler without him even seeing it coming. So Well, he doesn't um, win a final tribal council. Let's be honest. No, no, yeah, <laughs> no one's voting. No one's giving money to a politician. I had to get him out of the way because <laughs> yeah. he, he controlled these two girls that, that had the numbers, and and he was he was the dominant feature. And I sort of I played a story that that they they bought and they literally 
turned on him and uh, oh, that's so and he good. walked out. Funny, as you know, in Survivor, when um, when you go to tribal council, you got to take everything with you. They make you pack yeah. your, your gear up and you got to leave leave the shelter and leave the um, the area with everything as you as you march off. Now he was that confident. This is funny. He was that confident, Paul Dave, that uh, that he was staying, and I was going home. That uh, he left all his stuff there. So when I came back to <laughs> came back to camp after, tell me you're wearing his stuff. Tell I me you're wearing it. On. I put everything on. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So the game Man. hasn't changed that much. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, there was a couple of crackers back in my um, <sighs> time. Um, I literally, yeah. There's sort of they're, they're probably little secrets that. I've only shared with mates, but um, you know the, the portaloo that was at the back of the jungle that you you could go to the toilet in. Um, you know, I found a native there, one of the locals there, one morning. Yeah. And uh, and you know, as you know, they're not no one's allowed to talk to you, and other than doing your interviews, everyone just gives you a wide berth. The camera guys and audio guys and everything. And um, but I started, <laughs> I got into a conversation with this guy with no one else around, and the camera guys don't follow you to the toilet, and I sort of knew that that was your your safety area. Yeah. And, um, I love that you're far enough removed from your NDA that you can talk about this, by the way. It's great. Uh, uh, mate, I, I'll give you some classics. <laughs> and so I talked this this young young native guy, local guy, into putting a couple of biscuits every day into a um, – oh. <laughs> <laughs> And so no one's around, right? I'm thinking yeah. this, is a, this is a long shot. So I dug a hole behind the, the portaloo, just yeah. back about 15 metres, now, yeah, I, but I, before, before you go on, I just got to j- jump in here real quick. Do you guys have actually a portaloo there? Because for clarification, in the modern game of Survivor, there's no portaloo. We have like a long drop area. Oh, really? Yeah, there's not nothing flushable, nothing you can wash your hands with. Yeah, so we had a we had a you know a, a portaloo um, tucked away in the jungle, mm. and that I mean that was as good as it got. I mean, people literally to this day say, oh, because it was a celebrity one, Leachy. You know, they must have snuck your food and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, so you're digging this no. hole now near the portal. <laughs> I, I got the food, but I, I had to work at it, and and it was a it was a gamble. But I literally, um, <laughs> I got I got two to three biscuits every day. What? That, uh, we're in a we're in a um, a sealed up plastic, um, you know, wrap thing that was dug down a foot, you know, you know, half a foot yeah. into the dirt where, where he, he said he'd put it. And so every morning I'd get up to go to the toilet, wait for no one to be around and we'd dig up these biscuits and then take <laughs> them into the toilet, sit on the loo and chew like every mouthful till it was dissolved and swallowed. And it, right at the back end of the show oh when, my gosh. when, um, when I, I needed a vote on my side, I presented. I kept a few biscuits and presented them to one of the boys. You were the original Mel- Cookie Monster. Now you haven't oh, seen season two, but uh, Jerry Melabonga is is uh, basically based his entire game strategy on making an alliance uh, with these hidden cookies that he'd won on a moral. Dilemma. Did it work? Yeah, he did won. It work? He's another winner. Wow, good the on cookie him. alliance. Well, no, I, You're the original I, I, Cookie Monster guy. I beat it for that. Yeah, <laughs> so I did some funny ones. You're I had a pioneer. This <laughs> I had this funny one. I. I I got told by the guy I flew down to Sydney uh, who lived in the jungle. He said, "He said, uh, Leachy, you you may find a few mandarin trees. They're scarce, yeah, but you may find them in that time of year. You'll get some mandarins that are worth eating, right? Yeah. So I'd go off, and there were no there were no idols in my season. So it's a pretty it's a pretty basic basic version of the game, right? No idols. They haven't had yeah. too many. The major twist, I suppose, sorry to derail what you're saying, is that you yeah. you are getting voted, you got voted out 
a, not an edge of extinction type thing, if you're familiar that with that in the American season. But where, where do they put you when when you're out of the game? Did you just did you go to a hotel? Were you just like kept on a separate beach or? I went, I went back to the resort and oh. I, just, I ate myself like it was it was unfair, right? I mean, look, they, they put me back with another guy. They're they working out. They're working out the games. early kinks of the game. Well, they let look, you go back to the resort. Let me tell you what happened. Wow. So yeah. there, there was no, um, yeah. Um, it, look, it was just. I think what happened was they got to a stage where it was all going too smooth. Yeah. And they literally looked at it and went, what can we do to beat this thing up? So we'll, the last three that went out, we'll invite the three back in. And that was Justin Melby, an actor and um, a good sports guy, sportsman. Now, have they made you aware of this when you're being, after you've been no. voted out? or Oh, so you get voted out and they're like, actually, you know what, guys, we're going to bring you back in. We're on the, we're on the, um, we're on, on the uh, jury, right? So we were there to hang out for the jury. Oh. And <clears throat> so we, I'm in the resort, there's Gabriel Richens, um, myself and Justin Melvy. And so I've had, I've had two days of eating and just <laughs> gorging myself, right? And I'm, yeah. I'm by the pool, I'm hanging out. Yeah. And I've got to stay around for the tribal councils and and uh, and for the end, right? And so there's, I go back to that the room on the second night and there's a letter under my door <clears throat> that says, if you want to have a crack at getting back in the game, um Tomorrow morning, we pick you up yeah. by bus. We take you back over the other side of the island, and you compete. And two people out of the three go back into the game. Now, that was when there was three left. Wow! And those, and those three, when they heard about it, um, were literally pissed off and just banded together. So we came back in as a two. Yeah. against a three. and I can imagine how they're feeling. They've like managed to get you guys out. You have a couple of days in the resort and then you're back on the beach. I put on three kilos. <laughs> I've slept in a bed. I've, I've shaved. I'm like, I'm ready. Oh, wow. And like, so the funny thing was that um, I literally said to myself, like, I, I somehow I need to work out how to go and sort this out. And I was too nice leading into when I got um, – kicked out and they didn't blindside me. They all just went up to me and said, listen, we're going to vote you out tonight. We're sorry, but you're too strong. We're too scared of you. This is the initial time you get voted out. Correct. Off the back of the merge and a couple in off the back of the merge, they said, we, we, we like you. You're a good bloke, but you're gone. And and it, it doesn't matter what you try. And I tried to, to talk a few around, but they were just like, we just we don't want to go to the end with you and you'll just win all the all the challenges. So it makes sense. Very nice of them to make you aware of that. Yeah, that's fair enough. And um but when I went back in again, I'm like, I'm like, fuck this. Like I'm getting back in and this is the biggest mistake that producers and directors have made by letting me back in. <laughs> so I went back and in it does just going, oh, I don't care. I don't care now. Yeah. I'm gonna I don't care if I have to sell my soul and 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 just I'm hated, but I'm going to win this thing. So that was yeah, that was it. It actually, it actually lights a fire under you. Mm. So you get yeah. voted out here on day thirteen, and then you're back in the game on what day twenty? I think something like that. Look, it's a blur now. I just I, and it's I a twenty five day that- day, gu- day day game, mind you, right? Yeah. So you yeah, pre- you come sure. back in and you're pretty close to the end because they started with twelve. How many people are they putting on the jury? Do you remember? Yeah, it was five. Okay, so there's five, five. on the jury. Okay. So you've made it to the jury kind of element of the game anyway. Yeah. It's just that now they're yeah. giving you the opportunity to come back in. Correct. But they only brought us back in knowing that we were a two. Yeah. And there were, there were three that were still existing in the game. And there's no way that they would want 
to let <clears throat> these two that get back into it win. So it was like they, they're Dom expecting you guys to get smashed. Smashed. And so I knew that if I went straight back into a challenge and they brought a challenge up that wasn't physical. So it, um, <laughs> it was it was an agility, you know, the sort of bend in this position type one where the bigger, stronger guy doesn't go as good. Yeah, normal. yeah, yeah. You know, you know I hate those and challenges. So, I hate them. <laughs> so there was no running, jumping over things, yeah. you know, throwing, swimming. That was all. It was not not in there. So I didn't win that one, hmm. and, and neither did Justin, who was um, on my side. And so I said to him, mate, the only chance we've got is to play to the two girls that were in the, in the um, alliance with David Oldfield, the politician. The only way we're going to have a chance of flipping this is to get the girls to believe that David Oldfield's going to turn on them because he wants to have a crack at the big boys yeah. and go to the wire with, with the men, not with the girls. Yeah. And, and his personality was such where I wouldn't say he was a chauvinist sort of guy, but he was, he was strong, opinionated. He sort of he had that edge to him where you could, you could believe the story. You could believe it. Well, it's it's a slightly different. It's a different time too, two thousand and six, right? It just the way like things are with the sexes. I mean, even in this game, they separate you guys uh, into sexes at the start of the game, right? It's like the two tribes, and they keep you separate. There's like women and men are kept separate at the start. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, they had the girls over once. Yeah, no, they didn't. No, no, they didn't. They yeah. didn't because Gabriel Richards was in my. Did they? No, she was in my tribe the whole time. No. Okay, so because what I what I had read is that they'd separated the tribes uh, by sex. There was boys, no, they, and then they kind of I, like I fed the girls in. They did that, that. I do remember that. Yeah. Okay. No, and ours they didn't. They they sort of evened it out with stronger guys on both sides. Oh, okay, okay. So it was a bit of a bit even at the start. It was even. It was fair that way. But so, um, so anyway, you're able to turn turn the girls on. Uh, so what I did was I, as you know, when you you're coming down to the wire to go to tribal council, mm. everyone's watching everyone. And no one wants anyone to talk to anyone when they know that they're going to try to talk about <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just It's just this clusterfuck of, of literally just not wanting anyone to get that upper hand. Eagle eye. Yeah, oh, mate. And so I had to get David Oldfield away from the girls, and he was watching like a hawk. And I sort of said to I said to Justin, I will get David away. You've got to get to the girls yeah. and, and, and literally do your greatest acting effort and say to them, <laughs> and Oldfield's going to flip, look over there, he's talking to Leachy, yeah. he's planning this this massive side swipe on you guys, you're going home, one of you, and he wants the guys to fight it out because he wants to be looked at as top dog against the board. Oh, that's so good. I love it. And it worked. It worked. And uh, that was that was the opening that gave me the chance to win. Yeah. And th- those are little pieces of strategy that I love hearing about, but they're also things I think when people don't know what's happening on the show or behind the scenes in the show, like people watching other people have conversations is a big part of strategic maneuvers, right? Like pulling someone aside for a conversation, you've got a camera crew there, and if the camera crew is very engaged with two people having a convo, you know that some serious chat's going on. Big time. And you sort of want to be like I used to play it so that I'd have my chats with people and literally be talking about not strategy stuff to the point where if someone came over, we're talking about sport or whatever. Hmm. So you, you you just you just weren't in that mode all the time. So people could relax that we're in other other alliances, <clears throat> and you had that chance when you needed to to go down the line and and really throw it out. And as you know, when it's a whole day there, you're not talking strategy all the time. 
No, and, and, and the way they cut it up, it looks like that's what's going on, but it's not. And you're talking about their family. You're trying to build connections. Yeah. Here's the social get player, right? Build. You really are. And, yeah. and so, you know, you, you, you're wanting them to like you and to believe in you. And, and they all know that at some stage you're going to, you're going to have to sort of, you know, go up against them, but you just want people calm. And, yeah. and, and I was big on, you know, when it came down to sort of having to go and do that, do that talk, you weren't doing it all the time because there was nothing worse than a, than a player that was nervous all the time. Mm. They constantly talked about it. They wouldn't shut up. And they just, they're the ones that hurt themselves by doing that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be mentally tough out there, don't you? you you've got it, mate. You've just, the mental rehearsal I played leading into it. Mm. I, I, when, I, when I was doing Ironman in sport, I, all the big events that I used to do, I would prepare a month out. And when I went to bed every night, I went through every scenario that could happen in a race. Yeah. And I'd mentally prepare about everything that was going that could happen and be, be ready for it. So if it did happen, I wasn't under the pump. And um, it was no different with Survivor. So I, I, I didn't starve myself leading into it, but I, I went through what it would feel like to starve. Yeah. And, and to have to make decisions under pressure and to have everyone against me and how I'd, I'd feel and what I'd do with that. And and so I sort of went through that process. So when I got into the game, I, I figured I had that advantage over other people. Yeah. Well, and evidently you did. And what are they doing for you ration-wise on Australian Celebrity Survivor? Obviously, you've got your cookie stash, <laughs> but uh, are they? is it basically like 800 cows of rice and beans sort of deal like we have? No, we, didn't, we didn't get that. No. So, so where it was a bit harder for us, Yeah. if you didn't win it or find it, you – you got nothing. So we went. There's no ration. We went a, a week or more without oh. protein. We we went two days without any food other than coconut that you could find and water that was wow. uh, there. So they, they, they punished us early. And then the fact that we got that rain on the second night, yeah. that everyone got drenched and cold and didn't sleep a wink, um, set the scene and just <clears throat> it, it, it separated from the men from the boys. And, you know, I got lucky on the fourth day when I talked about that um, – that Mandarin tree. Yeah. So I went out into the jungle and I on purpose tried to get rid of other people coming out with me at times yeah. looking for food and I found that Mandarin tree that oh, was fantastic. the holy grail. Yeah, and there so you go. So I literally, <laughs> I literally, it took me about a kilometre into the jungle where I found it. I I ate the first 20 man, uh, mandarins <laughs> that were down low yeah. and just inhaled them yeah. and then buried the actual um, the evidence under the ground so no one could see it. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then I took I took my T-shirt off, wrapped up another 15 to 20, took it back to camp, and they were the only ones left then because yeah, I, yeah. I went through <laughs> the just tree. just the tree. <laughs> and by the time I got to, get, get to camp and was divvying it out to everyone and everyone's patting me on the back and saying, you're the <laughs> best, how good's that? <laughs> Show us where it is. I'm like, I can't remember. Um, oh. I literally got I got diarrhea and had to bolt to the portal. <laughs> and I was on the tour for half an hour. Like, oh like, wow! Like diarrhea, like you wouldn't believe. So yeah, so I got I got a bit lucky here and there. Well, the the, di- the diarrhea is the wrong time for me to mention this, but I'm like desperate to watch you play Survivor again, bro. I love <laughs> this. This is great. You have to go on another season. It look it. The thing was, I, I knew you were going to go good because they kept saying that you were preparing for a year to go back into it. Yeah, and I sort of didn't know what that exactly meant, but. All I kept thinking about is if that was me, that's what I would do. I'd literally go through every everything I can to give myself an advantage over everyone else as much as I could. So I figure, yeah, that's just what you do, don't you? Winners don't win by mistake. They win because 
you're usually they get some luck, but they prepare better than the rest. So, yeah. yeah, well, my motive, my my pre- preparations changed drastically between the two times I played. So the first time I went into the game, I thought I need to be as fit as possible. I was already doing a lot of like CrossFit and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and like I was fit. I was very very fit. My wife's a trainer, so she had a full schedule on just me getting as much stamina, as much muscle as I could. Wanted to look good mm. for TV, all that kind of stuff. The first time I went in, yeah. and man, I felt like my athletic performance after you start. Starving just really suffered. Totally. So in the six week in the six week turnaround coming into All Stars, we only really had six weeks. Um, I just bolted and like all I did was just barbell, no cardio, and ate as much food as humanly possible. So she had yeah. got this like nutrition plan for me where I was just consuming an obscene amount of calories so that I had weight yeah. to lose the second time round. Yeah, you, I could tell at the start you were you you were like. Fit weight, oh, weight wise, like thick. lifting weights, yeah, pumping. <laughs> you weren't, you weren't like lean for, nah. for running. It wasn't, it wasn't TV muscle that second time round. I tell you, tell you yeah, what. but you lead right down. And as we know, you lose a lot of size, muscle, and you know, and and fat when you go on the show. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great weight loss tool that one. So, do you do you feel uh, in a way like bonded to other people who have played Survivor now? I know it's a bit far removed for you guys from 2006, but one of the things I'm finding, and I haven't actually watched all the seasons of uh, Survivor, sorry, season one, but. Uh, there's almost like this bond that exists between the people who have played, whether you've met them or not, or you know yeah. them or not. Are you still really close friends with the people from your season? Are you drawn to talking to to people who have played Survivor previously? Yeah. So, like, as an example, whenever I come across someone that's, that's been in Survivor, whether they've won it, come mm. fifth, whatever, there's respect straight away because unless you do Survivor, and you compete in it, you just don't know. And and as I said before, watching it on television and being a massive fan is awesome, but until you get out there and into the jungle and the sand and you experience the cameras in your face 24-7, mm. you, 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 you just don't understand what you go through. So from that point of view, I love sitting down with people that have played it and and just hanging out. So yeah, it's, you know. It, yeah, it's a very a very unique experience, isn't it? Yeah, and, and like, like from... This season with, with the All-Stars, yeah. there were lots of characters in there that that I enjoyed. Um, I, I like the physicality of some of the boys. Um, I like the strategy of some of the girls that were tiny that just played great social games. Yeah, um, I, I, I could appreciate all of it because in Survivor, you just – you can't tick one or two boxes. You got to you got to tick the boxes across the board if mm. you're going to win it. And yeah, and, and like I said, yeah, luck comes into it. And as you know, when you played the first time, you literally would look back now and go, "I can't believe I did that," or "I can't believe I made that <laughs> yeah. decision," or "What a dick," you know, like why oh, did I man. do that? Not not eating will do that to you. Yeah, but you come out of it, and people don't understand sitting at home. Yeah, and you you see people get blindsided <laughs> at a tribal couch. You think, how did you have done? They don't get it, mate. When you're there, and yeah. you and you're starving, and you have you've had two shitty night sleeps, you're just you're missing home. Whatever it is, your thoughts aren't with you properly, and yeah. you can't sit at home eating dessert after having your di- your meal 
and criticize people on the show because it's just <laughs> it's not that simple. It really is not. But that is a big part of the fan experience. And I'm not sure what the fan response was for you guys uh, then when you played, but I think one of the great things that the fan community loves to do is like conjecture on the game as to why people did this and did that and, and why they made that move and how they did this vote and who yeah, they were lining up with here. And sometimes it's just because you haven't had any sleep. You know, well, the, thing like, is, the thing is with a, with, you know, it, you make some good, some great moves, right? And and a couple of them, and you know, when you when you talked um, talked around that second idol and how you got it, mm. I don't tell television it looked great. Now whether it came out exactly like that, I don't know. But but the way they cut it up and the way the way it presented, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, and it's sort of as soon as you did that, I didn't know, I didn't know that much about you, but I. I was I was playing for you then. I wanted I wanted you to win because I'm like that just was just brilliant the way that you ended up getting that one. You didn't even deserve to get it, but you got it. Sorry, you were clever. Sorry, exactly. Thieves. And you know the thing was when I did it, it was there's always this story of this this person in the game that um, that just they grow during the game and mm. they 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 grow wings and they they get strong and at the start they're vulnerable and they just. They, they build character during the whole thing. And in my year that I did it, in my season, it was Imogen Bailey. So Imogen Bailey yeah. was a pin-up model girl. Yeah, super I, I, pretty, I, know, I know of Imogen, yeah. Act, actress, good chick, right? And yeah. so I go on the show on the, on the season against her and, you know, my assessment at the start is she's gone the first two weeks. That's, <laughs> at the start, I'm like, was she I, someone I coming in that didn't know what she'd signed up for? Sort of, yeah, sort of, but you know, yeah. but she she broke down early, um, was vulnerable, yeah. Uh, and you know, when when you're on there and you want to win it, you're literally looking at everything. It's it's a game of chess, and and I'm going well. <clears throat> when we get to the merge, we'll get rid of her there because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and I'll get these ones over, and she's done this wrong already, so. I'll use that with this person to basically talk them into to dropping her name in on the next boat, right? So mm. I'm going through all that. By the time we got to the merge, watching bits and pieces, mate, she was a different person. And when I got down to the down to the pointy end to try to win the thing, I'm like, I can't take her to the last two. I can't take her because she's got to go. Even though, mate, she'll get the vote on me because she's grown over the yeah. season, and people are going to go, yeah, Leachy, yeah, well. Mate, he's he's been good here, here, here. Yeah, I get his case, what he's saying up yeah. front, and all the rest of it. But mate, she's got a better story of growth. So I was scared of her at the end, and she was the one that, in my year, my season, I felt sorry for her after the fact that she actually didn't win. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, um, and I have to ask you because I'm a huge uh, motorcycle fan, riding myself, <laughs> done a little bit of amateur racing. Uh, Wayne Gardner. What was yeah. he like? You guys lined up pretty pretty soon. I actually been following his uh, son Remy is uh, competing in Moto Two. I think he had a pretty gnarly uh, accident recently, and obviously the season's suspended. But I've been following uh, Remy's career, and you actually had the uh, the pleasure of playing with with Wayne. So Wayne was a classic. <clears throat> so I went into Survivor. See, some of the celebrities knew each other. Yeah. So um, it's kind of unavoidable in Australia, isn't it? That's it is the, when you yeah. you start talking about getting you know, people that have been around a little bit and mm. have been famous for yeah. a while. Um, <clears throat> so I I knew Wayne from he, – he moved into Manly, where I live, and so we crossed paths and <clears throat> and we, we sort of said to each other when we got to Vanuatu that we'd team up. 
and oh, you guys have done a little pre-gaming. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and look, it. Justin Melby knew Gabriel Richens, who she knew one of the other girls. So there was a bit of that going on early. Um, yeah, so it was sort of it's it probably evened itself out a bit from that point of view. Yeah, but Wayne was um, Wayne was was we, we were tight um, until he went home, and. It was one of those ones where he he took on that sort of lead role. Yeah, it was in his personality to to to, to get people to you know you, you build the shelter, you do this, you do that, <clears throat> and he did, wouldn't say he made enemies, but he was polarizing because yeah, of, people stepping into those leadership roles, they definitely can put a target on their back, can't they? Totally, and and so he was he was one that um, like I've got a strong personality, and I just pulled back on that. Um, mm. when he took that on board and was like, I, I don't feel like that's the right thing to do. I, I, I sense that that's not going to go well for him. And and I was aware that at some stage the numbers aren't going to be good for him and I can't afford to go down the toilet with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, Sorry, I'm on your side, Yeah, you know. Remember like, that little deal I'm, we had? <laughs> I'm making some friends over here too. I really like uh, such and such. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, oh, yeah, you know, I, saw, I saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, man, you win. 3-2 jury vote, right, over uh, Justin. Oh, Go back so, to Wayne, though. Yeah. Sorry, because I didn't answer your question. Good bloke. You'd like him. Um, yeah, knows how to win. Yeah, I, I hope I, I hope I get the chance to chat to, to Wayne because I've, yeah. I've been such a big, like, fan of his. And that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about kind of – I've been in New York for 17 years. So coming back to Australia and then, like, even getting to, to meet some of my – and chat to some of my childhood heroes like you, Guy, uh, just to mm. be frank about it, is someone like your career was a huge inspiration to me when I'm a kid. And now I'm in this arena because of Survivor where I can chat, chat to people and, and get to connect with them. And it's been a really yeah. great experience for me. You're doing a good job, mate. So I, I think that um, I, when I saw you win, I thought this guy's got um, – there's a lot more that he can do out there um, in, in the community and on television and the media based on your personality. Well, your fingers personality. crossed. Yeah. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> good, mate. Got my stamp of approval. Oh, thank you, guy. Uh, three to two. This is the jury vote. You win over uh, Justin. Uh, the prize is slightly different. Unfortunately, for your season, it's not half a million bucks you win. It's $100,000 that goes to a charity of your choice. Uh, and the charity you chose was... You want to fill me in on a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's it's a bit... I, I got a bit more than that. I didn't get as much money as you did, but I did all right. So Oh, so they had kind of wrapped that into your appearance fee, I suppose, at this point? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Good, good. So, so, so literally, we got we got paid to play. Yeah, and every time you got through a uh, an episode, you got paid more. Oh wow, great! Okay, then so it's <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, so I remember in camp uh, a couple of times, like Elton would come up to me and go, "Hey, Leachy, is that third or fourth episode we're done?" <laughs> that's four. That's <laughs> that four. Keeping a track. So, keeping a track of that pay scale. And so then once you once you made tribal council, you got more again, so it went up. Yeah, and then if one you got so by the time I got to the last two, I think I was about eighty grand in appearance fees. Oh, fantastic! And okay, then I so got and then good, I got good. another hundred for myself on top of that. Oh, nice! Um, and then I got another hundred to go to charity of my choice. So <clears throat> don't feel sorry for me, mate. I, I definitely right. don't. I definitely don't. I think you. I think you. You did fine. Uh, also, I think the Australian dollar was actually worth something back then. 
which is good yeah. because right now it's not really worth a lot of a lot of anything. Uh, hopefully that improves. Um, so yeah, you get the prize and it goes to the charity of your choice. What was the charity of your choice? So a mate of mine was building schools over in Cambodia. Yeah, um, and doing it at his own cost. So wealthy guy, done well. They'd fly over a bunch of them, volunteer tier to go and get get the materials and build these schools there mm-hmm. at their own cost, pay their own airfares, the whole thing. And so the hundred grand that I um, gave to him mm. to Bruce Fitch, he built two schools that um, put um, between two hundred and three hundred kids through school every year. So now they're at um, <clears> the <throat> thirteen year mark. We've put you know, close to 2,000 kids through school that otherwise wouldn't have gone to uh, school. Oh, fantastic, man. That's good to hear. Mm. Are you so still involved? Done, is, that, is that still going, that charity cause? Are they? Yeah, still going. Oh, so that's the, amazing. The boys still will do that and um, that's that's their passion and they get up there and, and, and still do that stuff and take people up there and tour around the area and uh, no, it's a good thing. The, um, the, the interesting thing on Survivor for me um, – was that the, I came back from Survivor. So we didn't do the reunion. Mm. There was none of that. That's what so, I was about to ask you, actually. Was there a reunion show or any of that stuff? No. But that was disappointing. It was, for, it, it was all decided I, on the island? Yeah. So oh. we, we, we had to go to tribal council there and plead our case mm. off the back of coming out of the shelter. Oh, jeez. And, like, you know, it, it just just really just doing your best on what you think is the right thing to say to the jury. Because at the end of the day, as you know, if, if you played a game like someone else that's touch and go, mm. you literally could win or lose the whole thing based on something you say at Tribal Council. Oh, yeah, or, definitely. As you're yeah. delivering your your parting piece. Oh, it's a lot now, of pressure, that final tribal. <laughs> well, it is when you're going off the, the shel- off, out of the shelter and they're taking you to the um, to Tribal Council and you can't you can't talk to the other guy about what you're going to say because he's up against you. Yeah, well, that's the oh. that's the same way it worked for us. Like we were on the beach, uh, just Sean and myself, and they took us straight to that final tribal council. We had one night together and a breakfast in the morning. Yeah, that's and then it. Final tribal in the evening. Yeah, exactly. So exactly the same. So yeah. so then then I did that, um, and and then I, I learned right then and then when I won or not. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, okay. So, that's how it worked a little bit for me on Champions Contenders when it, with yeah. uh, Peer and Baden. They did do that uh, live draw, which in a way I think is great because I had to wait, man. I waited a solid four-ish months before we filmed our reunion and they mm. drew those vo- votes out live. So, I had a lot of waiting. I mean, I had a pretty good feel because um, I think I, I felt like I'd done a really good job at the final tribal, but... You, you, talk, you, you, you played you played that last piece perfectly and, and literally sitting at home, I said to the family, the whole family is watching it, they got into it, and I said to the family, he's going to get every vote except one or two. That was my call. Yeah. Um, so, and, and as it turned out, that was the case. Um, so, yeah, So, but the problem is, right, that from your point of view and I'm, I'm guessing that there were times when you thought, yeah, I went good, but... But you never know, do you? Oh, you, you just never, never know. know until <laughs> you start doubting. You start doubting. <laughs> you start doubting. Yeah, there was de- definitely some three a.m. wake ups where I was like, "No, I've lost. I haven't got this. I didn't. They didn't see it like that. They, you know." And we've seen that on Survivor since, where totally. people feel like a, a non-deserving winner has, has taken the crown. So, so you do. There's definitely stuff that runs through your head. 
So, so based on that, the difference between you and me was that mm. I came back to Sydney knowing I won, but was under you know, a thousand-page document contract saying that, mate, you can't say this, you can't tell your yeah. wife, you can't tell your kids, you can't do anything, right? Oh, wow. But, but what I did was I started cutting corporate deals based on the fact that I could say I was down to the last two. Yeah, I, you just I, I could say I, I thought I had a good chance of winning. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, so I literally had banked close to a million dollars worth of deals. Wow. Off the back of that four-month period from when the last, well, more, six months wow. from when the last survivor went to air. So I cut a deal with fitness range of equipment with Big W, yeah. um, clothing range of guy product with Big W. Oh, incredible. Um, signed deals with media companies to, to do um to do write articles, television, you name it. So well, they certainly it. do not let you leverage those deals these days. Those no. new contracts are yeah, it, seriously. So I, I'd done a deal with Anaconda to have my own kayak, stand up paddleboard, oh, rain so stores. So I, I, I made I made hay while the uh, the sun was shining, and literally just um, just took advantage of the fact that you're going to be on television prime time. Good lad. For a long time. Well, you put, you put in the work, you deserve to get something out of it, you know. That's something I yeah. always find real hard to ratify with people who have played and literally end up with nothing out of spending, mm -hmm. you know, X amount of days, I mean, on the beach, potentially sometimes 50 days, and they end up with, with nothing out of it. And I'm like, oh, that just must be so tough mentally. Oh, so tough. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, look, we, we all play Survivor because we love it. We play Survivor because... It's the ultimate challenge. Yeah. It's the reality TV show that's been around the longest. It's been around the longest because it's the best. It covers everything. And in 30 years' time and the other reality TV shows have gone, survival will still be there. There's no yeah. doubt. Oh, most we definitely. Love it. We love it to death. Love it. Um, but in saying that, there are some people that literally get to the pointy end and they deserve to win the whole thing and they don't. Yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. you sort well, of go. sometimes that happens and uh, no. people make a Kickstarter for them and they get half a million bucks anyway, so. It works yeah, out. <laughs> and, and, and that was interesting. And so when I said that I felt for Image in Bailey uh, in my season, yeah, literally did because it was like, you know, I found a way to win, but, you know, would you say I was lucky? Yeah, I was lucky. I got I got given another chance. I took advantage of it, um, but I might not get – I've been given that chance. And, and yeah, there was a good chance she would have win if, if that wasn't the case, so, you know. Well, yeah. that's but that's the game too, you know. I think people going in, like it, it, people, I get asked a lot, like, oh, do I get upset about twists or twists coming in, production twists, things being changed mm -hmm. around? But it's just part of the game, and you have to be, you have to be ready for it, you know. You've Got to be resilient, don't you? you? Gotta, you just resilience gotta, is so important. Don't you know? Don't you think that as soon as you start feeling comfortable on Survivor, you just know the shitstorm's coming. Oh yeah, <laughs> coming. They're going to flip it on its head. Oh yeah, and you've got to be ready for it, don't you? Oh, you do. You're never, you're never sitting pretty. Yeah, never, never, never. Yeah. never. You just like, yeah. Even with your two idols, I knew that it was it was going to be some hurt hurt for you, and I thought he's just he, he he should get to the last three. He needs to have a good final challenge, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I'm like. You just can't rest on your laurels knowing you got two up your sleeve. Yeah, just, you can't. It's not that easy. No. And you you did touch on it saying there is some luck involved, but you have to make your own luck out there. And, um, yeah, fortunately we got through. So we have joined a select winner's circle, my friend. I like that. Now, the other thing we are uh, bonded on is that you are an Ironman champion. I am an Ironman virgin but was technically <laughs> signed up to do 
an Iron Man this year. Uh, Matt Rogers runs uh, this television show, Maxing Out, and I signed up to do Roth in Germany. Uh, dodged a massive bullet on that one because COVID oh, has shut everything down. Oh, you would have hurt that thing. That's, my, is that uh, a full length? Is that the full oh, length that's, Iron Man? That's the, that's the whole enchilada. Oh, shit. Um, oh, my you would have, don't worry about having bulk. By the time you got your train for that, yeah. <laughs> The lean, uh, lean fighting machine. Trust I, I'm, me. I'm not. I'm not. So, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dave Tabernacle. He's a. Uh, he's another Ironman competitor, pro- prolific Ironman competitor, and he he was enlisted uh, to be my coach. And I am not a big fan of cardio, so he was yeah. sending me workouts nonstop, which I would laugh at and shut on yeah. the Training Peaks app. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the hours you got to do on a bike to just be able to get off a bike and then try to run a oh, marathon. Oh man, it's frightening. Yeah, frightening. So if there was something positive that came out of this crisis, uh, COVID crisis for me, it has been uh, not having to do Roth. You need to dodge him, Matt Rogers, as much as you can. (laughs) Just read read big on the deal. Just read (laughs) (laughs) big. He's he's trouble. He's trouble. Um, So, mate, you've pioneered this, I suppose. Like You're one of the first people to win Australian Survivor. You're one of the first people to win a professional Ironman race, and that's the Coolangatta Gold, correct? In 1984, I want to say. Is that the first one? And I want to race based on a movie. So literally a script came out with that was about two brothers that wanted to be the Ironman champion at the time in the 80s. Grant Kenny was famous for being an Ironman champion and was on the the, – the, the, the cover of the Keller's Instagram pack. Yeah. And this this movie that was going to be the next big thing after Mad Max um, needed a final race that was befitting of uh, this movie, this yeah. script. And so they, the, the movie was called The Cooling Out of Gold and they came up with this torturous race that was similar to, to actually competing on Survivor. Yeah. It was just out of this world. And so... Uh, yeah, everyone's been to the Gold Coast at some stage of their life. Like, yeah. Imagine starting at Surface Paradise and you have to get up to Coolangatta in, in the middle of summer in January in the heat and you have to swim, run and paddle your way up there, then turn and do the same uh, all the way back. Yeah. Um, 46 kilometres of Unbelievable. torture <laughs> and like swimming five kilometres in the ocean and running you know, nearly 20K on the beach and all this sort of stuff and – they put they put twenty thousand dollars in gold bullion in nineteen eighty four on the first place. They invited That's pretty lifeguards badass. around the world. Yeah, it was good. Lifeguards yeah. around the world and all the surf lifesaving people to compete in this thing. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna film it, <clears throat> film it like you wouldn't believe, cut that into the actors at the start finish where they erected this massive stand of twenty thousand people yeah. uh, in the stand and they were gonna do with Grant Kenny the final part of the the, the movie, which was get the crowd to cheer as they ran up to the finish line whilst we're out there doing the real race. They filmed that, cut all that into it, and that was going to be the final scene. Yeah. So, mate, I turned up for this thing as a 19-year-old. Now, you've you've been doing surf lifesaving, right? That's your that's your experience is surf lifesaving. You haven't done any other professional sports? No. So, I, I started as an 8-year-old as a swim, swimmer, pool swimmer. Yeah. And I wanted to go to the Olympic Games. And okay. So by the time I got to 16, I still hadn't been in the surf. Hadn't joined a stir club. I was wow. represented Australia in the pool. Yeah. And I was literally at home watching uh, after dinner the TV back when it was Channel 7, 9, 10 and Channel 2 back um, in the 80s. And mm. 
uh, Grant Kenny came on the screen on a Kellogg's Nutri-Grain TV commercial. Yeah. And he was running along the beach with this set-up crowd and in this race and paddled out through the surf, smashed his way through the waves on a ski and caught this big wave in and sprinted up the beach and raised his arms in the wind and then... Basically the most Australian thing you can think of. Oh, mate, in his, in his budgie smugglers yeah. and ripped with muscles <laughs> yeah. and and, you know, all the, all the good stuff and yeah. um, and looked like an Adonis back then with yeah, yeah. Not, not an ounce of fat on him. And I'm sitting there as a 16-year-old on the lounge and he turns to the camera with his bowl of Kellogg's Nutri-Grain and he says, taste great, stays crunchy. Yeah, yeah. And I literally turned to, to my family and said, I'm doing that. Yeah. That's me, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. That was literally it. Guy Leeds became an Ironman that day and I joined Manly Sir Club the next wow. week. And my swimming coach forbid our squad for being for joining Sir Clubs because they didn't want uh, us to swim in the surf and ruin our technique doing oh, freestyle and, and the like. Um, <clears throat> now, ignorant question again. here. Is there a big difference, obviously, between ocean swimming and, and pool swimming, something I didn't get to, to learn in my brief experience of Ironman training? Yeah, no, no, there is. There isn't. Um, ah. When you swim out through the surf, you raise your head more, you, your technique changes. Yeah. Your, your arms over the top of the water are higher. Much so more difficult. It goes against what you do in the pool, which then yeah. that affects your swimming in the pool. So he was the Olympic head swim coach, my, um, my, my swimming coach at the time. Yeah. And I was ranked number one in Australia for um, breaststroke and medley and those things. And um, But I went against what he said and joined the circle because I wanted to be to be an Ironman champion. And uh, two years later, after joining the Surf Club, this poster turned up at Manly Surf Club like it did all over the world, and it was about the cooling of the gold. Yeah. And and I signed up and went, I'm doing that. And so I flew up to the Gold Coast, and on this given day when they wanted to film <clears throat> this um, this race, there were 100 of the best multi-endurance, like water aquatic athletes from the world all turned up for this race to try to win it and become famous and mate uh, this this day was nothing like you've ever seen so when you start talking about crowds yeah there were 200,000 people along the coastline wow. watching the streets there were 20 to 40,000 people at the finish line wow. with this stand and everything set up um, i hit the lead at the hour and a half mark um, still wasn't down to cool and gather from surface paradise i hit the lead after <clears throat> probably 40, 15 kilometres of 46 kilometres. Yeah. And uh, I remember saying to myself then and there, I said um, that to myself that you will never be put in a position like this again in your life. <laughs> Mate, you you bleed, you do everything you can to stay in front. And if you don't stay in front, you can hold your head high because you're going you're gonna to flog yourself. Um, but if you do win, no, no one can ever take it away from you because no one's ever done this before. Yeah. And I literally hung on for the next three hours. I hung on for three hours oh. in front of 99 other blokes that were chasing me like a rabbit and um, and got across the finish line a minute and a half front. And the the, the interesting thing was that um, and which you which you're going through now, having one survivor, mm. and and your life changes a bit. Mate, my life my life got turned upside down. So that day. And you're 19. I'm 19 years wow. of age. I've just left school. I'm a lifeguard on the beach. I was thinking about going to university. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, <clears throat> and I walked onto the beach that morning at 6.30 a.m. with 21 helicopters in the air. And that day, a quarter of a million people on the beach watching it, um, 21 c cameras in helicopters filming it. Yeah. Um, the 
the world media there to, to, to cover this thing. And four and a half hours later, I was, uh, I became famous in four and a half hours. So I literally Crazy. turned onto the beach as a no one. I was the youngest in the field. They had a bookie have, um, betting on the race. I was 40 yeah. to one odds to win it. Did, any, did anyone four, have a punt on you? Well, I'll Any tell you the story in a second. I left the beach that day with my name being, well, put it this way. I left the beach that day, 20 grand better off. Um, a sport was launched off that day. Yeah. The Ironman series and everything that you you saw as a youngster yeah. growing up was born out of that race. Um, by the next morning, I woke up with a hangover um, <laughs> and, and I was on the front page of every paper in Australia. I was the lead news on every radio, Crazy. television station around the country. And from then on, people knew who I was. And that was all because of one race. So it, it, it was something that for me, Survivor was good. Mm. Survivor was a highlight of my life and I've had other highlights. Mm. But that day, that cooling out of gold race changed my life forever to set up a sport um, and and my life was never the same. Well, lucky you didn't that. listen to your swimming coach, mate. Totally. totally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you've had a good chance to share this story with Grant Kenny. He, yeah, well, he would have heard over time. Like he was my hero and the guy I idolised. Um, and and the following year, we turned up again, and the calling out of gold was put on again. And he turned up and raced. He wasn't obviously in the movie the following year because it was done and dusted. Yeah. And he went and raced, and you beat him again, correct? The first time I turned up with with pressure on me that I've never felt before, and yeah. pressure that I didn't like was because the media went came out in full force saying who was the greatest Ironman now is the Grand oh, Kenyan yeah. guy or guy guy Leach, and yeah. um, and I wasn't ready for that sort had, of pressure. Had you was, raced? Had you raced Grant prior, prior not, to this? Uh, this was the first time uh, you guys had actually yeah. raced. Not not in under that sort of scrutiny. No, wow. never. And, okay. And there was another twenty thousand put on it, and but it was all about was it a fluke that he won? Um, can he do it again? Is he the real deal? Yeah, uh, it'd be like if you went back on Survivor. It's like the reason why I nearly one of the reasons why I didn't go on Survivor and All Stars mm. was because I, I was rocking on with a massive target on my back. Mm. You and 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 I turned up for that second calling out of gold with that exact feeling that I had a massive target on my back. Yeah. And everyone knew that I was the winner from the previous year, and the previous year there was no pressure on me at all. It was like, guy who? How yeah. the hell did he win? How did that skinny blonde kid from Manly get up and win? Which is a good place and, to be. Oh, totally. Right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a completely different feeling than when everyone expects you to win. Mm. Um, and so, so, yeah, so when you go back and say, did someone have a bet on me? Yeah, they did. Like So I trained for four months leading into that race, hard with other guys from Manly and there was a, a rich bloke at Manly that um, watched what we were doing Yeah, and in training I was dominant against the other guys that were all good athletes and uh, he put $500 on me at 40 to 1. Oh, that is 20, nice. Up 20 grand. Yeah, that so. is nice. <laughs> you must have been a popular boy at the surf club. No one knew, no one knew what this – race was about, how big it was going to be, how big the movie was going to make it, the PR company behind it, the marketing, mm. media company, and they were so good at promoting this thing. And because of it, I just went along for the ride. And, and so I, I turned up back home and people just couldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe the noise on this thing and, and it just kept going and going and then there was a release of the movie and the movie was shit. It was a crap movie. But the fact that <laughs> But the event itself had taken off, hadn't it? 
the event was just enormous. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, like the boys at home and everyone, it was just. And how well, do you I, how do you go about moving twenty thousand dollars worth of gold bullion? So I I, I literally. Within two months, I found a place on the beach at Narrabeen, in a two-bedroom unit. Yeah. And took that 20 grand, down, 20 grand gold down to the bank where I got the loan. <laughs> yeah. I imagine their face when you rock in there with gold bullion in dropped you. <laughs> it. I dropped it on the counter and said, here's my deposit. And, and I literally bought a two-bedroom apartment at Narrabeen Beach on the sand um, for $96,000. Wow. And that 20 grand's worth of gold was the deposit for the uh, the apartment. Yeah. Now, let me just backtrack again because I wanted to finish this uh, thread, but you're now racing against Grant Kenny in the second race. There's all this pressure mm-hmm. on you. You guys are up against each other. And, and how does this one go? So, yeah, I, I actually – so mentally not good. Mm. So I woke up at 1 in the morning, couldn't sleep, um, felt scared, felt unworthy. Just really weird. Like for me now, people, people look at me and they go, oh, um, you and I are probably very similar, um, and I say that because I've watched you on television, and like my nickname is the Great Man, and who's given me the name me? I, I've told everyone I'm the Great Man. I That's love who it. I am. I like and that so nickname. everyone starts calling me the Great Man. <laughs> That's what I'm getting them to say it is for me to say it out loud. So, yeah. so when you when you pronounce yourself as who the, you were, the golden I'm poet. like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, <laughs> dude, that's what I do. I'm like, well, you'll start calling me that because I'm just saying it. Uh, and, and that's just what it is. So so I laughed. I went, you're me, mate. You're me. <laughs> I would be, I'm like you. I just, I'll, I'll play the, the nice guy and, and do the straight bat up the front when I have to. Yeah. But behind the scenes, I'm just a rascal and just causing trouble and all the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so <laughs> I went to a second call and got a goal. Not feeling like I was that guy. I was quiet, um, mm. scared, uh, defensive. Leading into it, my training was better than anything because I learned from the first year, like you did with Survivor, going back the next time, what I needed to do to win again. Yeah, right? or correct. To be better. To be better. So I worked it out, like you know. And so I went into the next one, mate. I won the first one by a minute and a half. I should have been thinking, mate, I can win this thing by five or six minutes. You know, like I, I've got the wood on these guys. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm unbeatable, but I didn't. I was the opposite. So I went into the race not wanting to race, scared. Oh. And, uh, and so what I learned that day was this. I raced scared. I raced nervous. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the journey. I still won. I won because my preparation was better than the rest. Yeah. I won by, by nearly six minutes. Oh, wow. I was three or four times better. Uh, in a result as far as yeah. the finish line than what I was before. But, mate, I didn't enjoy it. I got to the finish line and was relieved, not not, not ecstatic. And I, and I went away from that as a 20-year-old going, mate, this is not how you want to define your journey as, a, as an athlete in yeah. life. It's not how it should be. And, and so it took me about six months, but I worked out that, you know, deep down, and, and it was this, this process I went through to – to, to explain to myself and, and get me to change how I thought. And, and it came out as simple as this. Mate, I care about if I win or not, and mm-hmm. I'll lose sleep over it. No one else will. Yeah. I, I will celebrate at the end and be ecstatic, and the feelings I will get will be so so great that drugs can't, can't um, give you the same feeling. Mm. Um, but no one else will. Um, and, and I sort of put that into perspective that, other than my family um, wanting me to do well, no one wants it as much as I do, 
And mate, let's just get a grip and, and realize that it's just a race. Yeah. And the world's not going to stop if you don't go well. And the world's not going to stop if you do well as well. It's just you. And so I had to beat that into me and beat that into my my um the, the thread of how I think and how I, I, I position myself to understand what I was doing. And once I did that, I went back to being me again. Yeah. But it took about six months to kind of flip that mindset around. Were you worried going into your next race that that was going to be like that chase you, that, that kind of anxiety-riddled mindset when you were racing, like racing scared, I suppose you said? Yeah, I, I, I literally understood. I, I got a, a good perspective. Like my, my swimming coaches in the past um, were wise people. I was lucky that I had coaches that, that were the coaches for the Olympic team in mm. swimming, those are things. They were, they were the head of the curve in, in leadership, high performance, understanding, winning, and all the things that I did moving on in life and survived were based on what I was taught from them. And so for me, I just I knew that self-talk and, and going into your own head mm. and listening to what you're actually saying to yourself and taking a moment to just go, Am I actually saying to myself within the six inches between my ears, am I actually saying something that's productive? Am I actually saying something to myself that's actually truthful? Am I saying something that's going to help my performance and make me happy? Or am I self-sabotaging myself and is yeah. it nonsense? And I, I, I just, as a 20-year-old, I, I, I just went back to, you know, that preparation piece on how I'd lie in bed and go through scenarios and, and use that as a good way of actually preparing myself, and and just went through that process. And because of it, I would I would calm the the noise, calm the yeah the worry, and and over over I suppose be louder with the positive stuff. Everyone has it. I've spoken to world champions across all facets of sport over the years. Mm. I've been in front of Carl Lewis. I've been in front of Kieran Perkins. I've trained Lane Beachley for five of the seven world surfing titles. Yeah, and been involved with her her um programs and mate no one no one goes without doubt no oh one. definitely not but a positive internal dialogue is so important in overcoming that doubt correct and that did it mate that mm. did it that, that, so yeah to, to cut to the chase that's what i did but it, look it's not easy to to be able to go and have that awareness to to get to look from the outside in and go you're actually saying the wrong stuff to yourself what you're saying yourself right now is not good. It's not good. I think it's Australians also just even just culturally we have this thing inside us where we feel like almost you know being your own cheerleader on the inside is something that maybe people shy away a little bit from. Mm. Just I think it's something that Aussies have in us. It's like I don't know. People like to say tall poppy. I feel like that's a bit over overdone these days. But it's definitely something. There's a humbleness to Australians where being your own cheerleader, your internal dialogue, and and cheering yourself on is you know it's not something that people are that conscious about. But it's so important when it comes to your uh, motivations when you're trying to win sporting events when you're trying to win survivor when you're just trying to get through self-isolation having a, a positive internal dialogue is very important so true mate and the thing is so we're, we're a funny country and it was more so back uh in the 70s and 80s but mm. we we loved our champions but we didn't want our champions to to, to show that they love themselves yeah or stay to over <laughs> to over overcook who they are and what they do. So um, so there was a fine line between, you know, you and me celebrating our wins, being com confident and comfortable in our own skins, talking it up, not being serious and mucking around about being, you know, being the great man and all the stuff that we do 
Um, but you're only taking the piss. You're mucking yeah, around. Yeah, that's exactly You want people right. to join in with it, right? Yeah. But there's people out there that go, oh, no, he's a dick. Yeah. So Dave, <laughs> he's, a dick. he's yeah. a dick. Like he's going around, he's sarong and he's got his muscles out. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like him, right? So, so that's – and you go and live in New York, right, like you have for 17 years, and, mate, they'd apl- they applaud that. Oh, and yeah. The champion and the, the world gets behind the Kobe Bryants and – the Shaquille O'Neal's and the, the Michael Phelps. And if you do something great, mate, they're, they're behind you and, and they want you to do that. And it's like they applaud you for going, mate, I was awesome today. And you know what? I deserve to win. But you can't do that here as much. No, you can't. Yeah, it's, 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 and a, you can, it's, no, a, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. So I was yeah. watching you on television going, Dave, I get what you're doing and I know <laughs> I know why you're doing it and I get the game you're playing and, and how you're doing it. And, and part of that is you and it's natural. Um, but I'm like, I'm really interested to see how this unfolds because if you if you overstep that by 20%, you're gone. It can go bad, yeah. And I, I think one of the great things way. for me this season is that because I stay in the game so long, you actually get to see that story arc where it evolves from me showing I have this big character that's talking smack, trying to be funny, trying to entertain into like, oh, he actually is a real human being. He has a family. He's relatable, which was nice for me this time. And I felt like I didn't get that experience the first time I played. Yeah, and you might not have played from that point of view. Your personality might have been a bit, look at me, look at me a bit more the first time. Mm. And you probably knew, listen, I need to dole that one back 20%. But it's still uh, Fair play, am. actually, so, Guy. I didn't dole that back at all, so. Did you this time around? <laughs> no. You thought, screw it. Yeah, I, just, so I didn't see the first time. I just threw caution to the wind. Hope, hope the... Uh, yeah. Hope the guys protected me in the end. Well, the, the beauty with that is that, yeah, like you said, if your journey's long enough, and you're a main character in the in the, the series, then you know the rest of it comes out. Oh, most and, definitely. And with your family there, and and, and you sympathise for other people, and um, what's the name of the guy? I, I saw him on the another survivor, the guy that lost his um his mum, which was a tragedy. What's his name? Ah, uh, Lee, Lee Castle. Lee, yeah, and Lee, the, the cricketer. I mean, everyone, you know, when you know, everyone sort of, you know, dug around him and, and you know, and supported him and, you know, and you, you start batting for all you guys because of it. So, yeah, that, that was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, look, it obviously worked for you well. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but seven-time winner of the Ironman series. How many – you go undefeated for your entire career, don't you? I, I Look, I, I could say I do. I don't exactly what I – I, the longer races were my my um my love and yeah they were the, my meat and potatoes. I, I just I, I loved the grind and yeah. and why, one of the reasons why I did Survivor was like I wanted I, if they said listen it's it's fifty days not not the shorter version we did I would have been happier with that. I, I, I the, the bigger the grind and if you get the success the, the greater the feeling. Yeah. And so I I man appealed to me because of that, but even more so the longer races. <laughs> Appealed to me because, mate, I got to I got to experience more hurt, and and and, and more opportunity to, to 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 be involved in the plot of the race, and because of that, I felt I had a better outcome as far as the feelings went. So I never lost a race over two hours in my career. Oh, incredible, brother! Incredible. Yeah. And what are you up to now, guy? Have you got something uh, that's special to you right now? You're working on any projects? So I, I was unfortunately part of. Uh, one of my best mates um, having a sudden cardiac arrest in one of my fitness classes I was taking four, four years ago. I, I've been doing aquatic fitness classes on Sydney Harbour for eight, 18 years where I take people out and we go paddling and do beach exercises and the like. Um, 
and mate, he dropped at the end of the session, and I had to go get on his chest and try to bring him back to life. Yeah. Um, and he didn't make it, and he didn't make it because there was no defibrillator around. Yeah. And I couldn't restart his heart with an electric shock, and um, so I learned all this after the fact because I was in a circ club in the eighties and nineties, um, and there were no such things around then. Yeah. In the clubs, mate, I didn't know, and so. Mate, the shock of losing him and having my hands on his heart and trying to bring him back was oh man, was bad enough. Mm. But then to realise that if I had one of these stinking things on me and I could have got him back, yeah, mate, did my head in. So I literally researched, got one. All my mates wanted to buy them, and in the last four years, I've become pretty much the biggest distributor of defibrillators around the country. I make the most amount of noise about them. One of my defibrillators saves. Um, an Australian's life every six to eight weeks that we hear about. Yeah. And someone brought back. Incredible. Um, and, mate, that's what I do now. So I, I suppose the common thing for me my whole life has been, mate, find the thing you love the most doing and just do it the best way you can and, mate, the business model and all the rest of it will follow suit after that, you know. And, and, um, and turning that negative into a positive. Now, had I read that your father actually suffered a heart attack as well? Okay. He did. So yeah. the first first experience for me in, in this area was seeing my, my dad drop when we were going to a restaurant with my brother and I when, when I was 12 years of age. And mm. um, he, he survived and had a quadruple bypass. But but that was my first experience about seeing someone that I thought was strong and fit, and he was 42 years of age at the time, um, not be as, as strong and fit as what you thought and, and see vulnerability. And um, yeah. so I was always – and that got me into fitness even more. So fitness has always been a theme in my life that I've always had. Um, I found winning to be something that was intoxicating and I needed to have that feeling all the time. Um, so I chased that and now with my mate dying and, you know, I just want to I want to save other Australians and don't want to feel hmm. like the loss of my mate was just for nothing. Um, so I put all my time into that. I still do my fitness. I still, uh, once coronavirus is gone, I'll get back into taking fitness classes like I've done for a long time. But um for me, that and the reason, I, like the big reason why I, I didn't do All Stars this year was that um, the DFIT business is um, the momentum is enormous at the moment. Yeah, we're, we're shipping out thousands of DFIBs every year. We're saving lives every six to eight weeks, like I said, and and I feel like the journey that I'm on to go and turn around the biggest killer in this country. We lose a hundred Australians every day. So when you consider we're losing one or two people from coronavirus here and there, which I'm not downplaying the fact that it's not important to go and, to go and cut that mm. completely out of this country. And I know it's hugely contagious, I get it. But reality is that we lose nearly 100 Aussies today. Um, there's going to be a kid under the age of 10 today die of an electrical issue with their heart. Yeah. And, mate, I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference to that and I'm going to cut that down. So... Um, I, I didn't want to go and survive it because I felt like my energies and my focus was on that. You need to be I there for over, that right now. And when I went over there, I, I wouldn't give my best performance and I'm not saying I was going to win again. Um, far from it. But uh, if Dave, if you turn up to Survivor mm. and I'm up against your brother, you want me at my best. Because if, if you beat me, you want to know you beat me fair and square and I want to do the same to you. So, yeah. Most definitely. Well, I'm hoping we get the chance to do that one day. I'd love, I'd, love, I'd love to have a crack at you. I need a, I need a break, brother. I got to be honest. 
Uh, yeah, don't, mate, that's, and that's <laughs> the other thing, mate. It takes its toll, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Give me, give me a couple of years. Give me a couple of years at least, but I'll be back. Now, let's sign it. You and I, let's let's make a pact. 20, 2022, 2023. Yeah. We'll let the hurt, the, all the all the hard parts of it sort of dissipate into the, the back memory so it's not as bad. And let's just let's let's Start just get in there and again. crack at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Sounds like a great plan. All right, man. Well, look, we'll um, put the link in the description um, to the defibrillators and and any other stuff that we've discussed today. Cool. But I really appreciate your time today, guys. Right. An absolute pleasure um, chatting to you, and all the best for the future. But thank you so much for chatting to me today. Well, it's just just to give a bit of background. I've never met you before, have we? I've never I don't no. know you, but I watched that last Survivor. And I literally went to Instagram, searched you out, and I sent you a message. And uh, I said, well done, mate. You've, uh, you've joined the team of winners, and, mate, you played a great game, and you deserve to have won. Yeah, I'm so, we, I'm so yeah, glad you did, mate. Connected. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we connected, mate. I, and I thoroughly mean it, and um, it was a pleasure watching you, mate. I can tell you're a good bloke. And, um, <laughs> mate, I look forward to getting over, getting over to WA in the next Hopefully the next year or so. Yeah, <laughs> or but, less than, uh, I hope so. Once this whole thing, once this whole this whole thing passes over, it'd be good to have a couple of beers and, and chat more about this. Good on you, mate. Well done. Thanks very much, brother. Thanks, Dave. Bye, mate. And that's it for today. All the links from our chat will be available in the description or at the website goldengodcast.com. Thank you to the legend Guy Leach for joining me today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Special thanks to my producer Sean Brennan. My theme music is Tidal Wave by Strange Weather. Catch you on the next one. Stay gone. And it's a chain of reactions. As your body drunk, you great distraction. So we isolate our purpose in the palm.